many are ready to receive God's word this morning? We're in a series of messages overcoming life's giants. And you may remember from last week, we started by looking at one of Paul's most famous pictures of a believer in Ephesians chapter 6, where he presents a fantastic description of each one of our lives as soldiers dressed for battle, dressed in the whole armor of God. And it's this armor, the whole armor of God, that you and I have the privilege, and it is a privilege, to take up and put on. God does not call any one of us to stand against the enemy barely dressed with hand-me-downs that don't fit or giveaways that nobody wants. No, it's God's whole armor that we are to put on. It is God's whole armor that we are called to take up. It's God's complete provision of protection for our lives that we are to dress in. You and I are dressed in the best. And as we put it on, as we take it up, this whole armor of God, it sends out a clear message to anyone that would seek to examine it. It sends out a message to all of our spiritual adversaries as they examine it and as they look upon it, as we take our stand, they have to see the message that shines from our life as we put on this whole armor of God that states that we are dressed for victory, we are dressed for triumph, we are dressed to go forward and to never retreat as we stand in the fight on the front line in the battlefield against this spiritual foe. Every single one of us in this room and those who are watching online, every single one of us are capable to stand in this spiritual battle to bring God's will and God's order into being in our lives. In this invisible spiritual dimension, we can affect change. We really can. We are called to affect change and to bring it in to our visible physical world in which we live. Let's read again from Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 13 through to verse 18 and we'll look at this armor that Paul sets out before us. Ephesians chapter 6, sorry, from, from verse 10, I'm going to read. Paul says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. What a fantastic description. What a fantastic picture. 
of your life as a fearless soldier, enabled and empowered to stand dressed on the battlefield to face any life giant. Now, you might not feel like that today. You might feel worn out. You might feel dejected. You might have taken some hits in your mind and in your life that communicates a message to you that is contrary to God's Word. But I am here today to tell you that that God has provided everything for you in Christ Jesus, that any moment in your life you can take up this armor. It's a whole armor. It's not incomplete. It's not partial. It's it's full. It has all of the fullness of God in it. Any moment in life, you can take it up, put it on, and defeat any demonic foe that would come against you in that spiritual realm, and you can bring order, God's order, God's will and order in your life, in the visible, physical life in which you live. Hallelujah. My dad, after studying Paul's words on the whole armor of God, one day said to me, Dave, have you ever noticed that the armor of God that Paul describes is all to be worn on the front side of the body? There's no armor for the rear sides of the body. Then I remember it well, man, I can see it in my mind now. With a big smile on his face, he said, do you know why, Dave? Do you know why that is, son? It's because God has no plan for any one of us to turn and run away from the enemy. God only plans for you and I to face our enemy front forwards, take our place and stand against him and see him run as a defeated foe from us. We're not retreating from the enemy. No. You haven't been retreating from the enemy as you have. It might have been tough. It might have been hard. It might have been hellish. But I'm telling you now, you're still here today as a soldier of Christ in the, in, in, in the family of God. You're still here today singing your praise. That's victory, child of God. Irrespective of what we've gone through. Irrespective of what we will go through. We take our stand, whether we feel like it or not. That's what victory is. That's what triumph is. Taking our stand as God's people. For Him and for one another. It really is. We're not running from the enemy. No. God's purpose in all this and God's plan for us is to see the enemy run from us. That's the picture that Paul presents in Ephesians 6. No retreat, no defeat, no surrender. And James, the apostle, also confirmed this in his letter. He shows us a clear picture of us standing victorious as the enemy runs from us. James chapter 4, verse 7 says this, Therefore, Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will flee from you. You will not flee from him. God has got no plan for you to ever flee from the devil. But God has in his purposes and in his power and strength in your life has all plans for for you to see the enemy flee from you. That's what James says. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Practically, how do we submit to God? Well, we submit to God when we choose to put on what he's provided. That's when we resist the devil in our stand against him. And then, as we submit to God by putting on what God has provided for us, The enemy will flee. And that word flee that James uses is a very powerful word, a very descript word. It means this. Now picture this a moment. It means 
to run in terror of you. You're not running in terror of the devil. I'm telling you now, as we submit to God and humbly, humbly submit to God, we don't do any of this in our own strength. You know that. We, we rely on God's whole armor, on, on, on all of God's firepower in our life, not on our own strength and on our own abilities. As we submit to God, James tells us that the enemy, the devil, will run in terror of you. When they're confronted by the armor that you wear, that's what happens. And there's no question in James's mind. There's no question in Paul's mind of us losing any battle or any ground or conceding any area in our lives because the war has already been won. Jesus Paul in the book of Colossians, we can't go there this morning, but Paul in the book of Colossians tells us that Jesus triumphed in the cross over every demonic foe, triumphed over them victoriously. The war has been won. We are now just simply enforcing the devil's defeat in this battle with the armor that we wear and continually standing to bring glory to God in all that we do. Now from verse 14, Paul begins to show us six pieces of armor that are all vital for us to take up, to put on, so that we can stand in the evil day. He firstly talks about our waist being girded with truth. And the reason why truth is so critical for us in this spiritual war is because the devil is a liar. He is a liar and he is a deceiver, but it's the truth and only the truth that defeats his lies and his deception. The truth will defeat every lie. The truth of God's Word will defeat all of his deceitful suggestions, and all of his methods that he tries to come against us with. Truth, just like light, expels darkness. If you go into a dark room, the first thing you do is reach for the light switch. Because you know if you, if you move around in a dark room, you're going to hit things, you're going to get knocked over, you might fall and hurt yourself. But the moment that the light comes on, it floods the room and it expels darkness. Every trace and every form of darkness is expelled when you switch the light on so that you can move around freely. Truth, truth, the truth of God's Word is just like light. It expels darkness. That's why Paul in Colossians 3, and I, I, I say it often, exhorted the church, let the word of Christ dwell within you richly. Let the truth, he's saying, let the truth dwell within you richly. Let the word of God, the living word of God, have its way, have room in your life. Let it, let, let it richly dwell in all of its fullness in your life. Why? Because truth expels darkness. Truth deals with the lies of the devil. Truth deals with his deceit. And it empowers you when you face any form and every form of temptation. Temptation's not easy. When you go through a time of testing, when you go through a time of temptation... The enemy, I tell you now, one of the main ploys of the enemy is, is to seek a way in through your flesh. And how many things appeal to our flesh in this world? The world, the whole system that we live in currently, this dark world that we live in appeals to gratify your flesh. The enemy's going to come against you, man. He's got a million and, million and one ways. To, to gratify your flesh, to try and lure you into, into things that are not 
from God. But the greatest weapon that we have to defeat the devil, to overcome every temptation, is the truth. It really is. It's wonderful. It's powerful. The truth of God's Word. It will enable you to stand against any test, any temptation. And even though your, 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 your flesh may be tempted and you may be struggling on your back heels. Isn't we're not stupid enough to think that our flesh can't fall? There's nothing good in our flesh. And it has to be crucified. But with the Word of God... We know that it can deal with it. Listen, let me just say this to you. Every single one of us in this room, right, has succumbed to a temptation or to numerous temptations, lots of temptations in our life when the enemy has tested us or tempted us in our flesh. Now, we can dress up nice in church and pretend, you know, like that, that we're the holy chosen frozen, right? But let me tell you now, every single person in this room, because I, I don't want anybody to feel bad here. Every single person in this room, right, has succumbed to sin in their flesh. Bottom line, right? Now, let, let's understand that. Right? We've conceded ground at some point in all of our lives, pastor, pope included. All right? So, so just, just so, so that we all know one another, right? Let's understand that. But we don't have to continually live defeated. At some point, we can pick up, take up the whole armor of God, put it on, and say, devil, I am not going to succumb to your temptation any longer in my flesh. I'm coming at you with the word of truth, and I'm going at you again. You may have defeated me a thousand times. You may have defeated me so many times that I've lost count. But I'm telling you now, I am standing in the, 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 the armor of God for another go at you. And if you defeat me again, I'm just going to have another go at you until I defeat you because God is for me, not against me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. We may have lost some battles. Jesus has won the war. But I'm telling you now, we're learning. We're learning about his devices. We're learning about all of the various ways that he comes at us and tests us. And we will get there, child of God. As long as you stick in with the Holy Ghost, he'll help you. And you will see victory. Amen? I just threw that one in for free. No, but it helps. Please, let's not think now. Let's not think that... uh, you know, that, that there's some of us in the room that are holy and we got it cracked and no. No, 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 no. Please. No, no. We're all in the same war. We've all, we've, we, we're all, we can all sub- succumb to the flesh very easily. Very easily. And we all get tempted and tested in that way. We're here for one another to strengthen and encourage one another. We've all, we've all got battle scars. And none of us are perfect. That just sets it out there. It sets out the perspective correctly. Because I don't want anybody going from here this morning thinking that anybody's stronger than anybody else. The only strength we get is from the whole armor of God. It's God's armor that gives us strength. It's God's armor that's the provision that we need. And it's that which brings Victory. But truth enables us to live well, to live free under God's blessing. And that's why it has a vital role in our lives. It brings us into a greater fullness of this life that we have in Christ. We don't have to give in to the flesh, we don't have to give in to temptation. We can actually use it for our advantage, for it to produce. The godly-like qualities and characters in our lives. Truth, truth is what deals with any lie, 
with any form of deception and and it enables us to come into the fullness that God has for us. I love the story about Gideon. Oh, it's fantastic. In Judges chapter 6. Because it's a story of the power of the truth shining as light into the darkness that Gideon was living in. Gideon was living in darkness. Darkness. That's what he was living in. But the wonderful story and picture in Judges chapter 6 is of truth coming. The lights being switched on so that Gideon could rise into a new life that he had never known. When the light of truth shone on Gideon, he became a man. He never imagined he could be. Truth will do that. Truth will do that in your life. Truth will enable you to be that man, will enable you to be that woman that you never imagined you could be. This is what happened to Gideon. And not only did he become an amazing man that he never imagined he could be, he became an incredible leader that set his nation free. Before hearing God's word for his life, Gideon was bound up in darkness, in wrong beliefs about God, and in wrong beliefs about who he was. Gideon, like many of us, had no confidence. He was insecure, downtrodden, and literally at the bottom of the pile of life. Everything that Gideon negatively believed about his life, he could substantiate. And that's the awful thing about belief. It's very factual and very actual, and you can substantiate it very often. Gideon could substantiate the truth that he believed about his life from past history, but the version of truth that Gideon held about his life was very different from the truth that God wanted to lift him up into. So one day, he gets a visit from the angel of the Lord. And the angel turned up on God's behalf with one purpose, to turn the light on. Going to turn the light on. Going to invest truth a new version. He's about to get an update. He's about to get a download. It's going to blow his hard drive, right? He's going to need new random access memory, whatever you call it. I mean, this this revelation of the truth, this light that's going to come crashing into his spirit and into his heart is going to dramatically change this man. That's what I want you to understand about the power of the truth this morning. Get excited about the truth. It can revolutionize your life. Get expectant about the truth. It can just break in at any given moment in your life to lift you up to be a person that you, can, you couldn't even dream of. Some people read the Bible, then close it and say, I'm bored. I'm bored? <laughs> what? What? I'm bored. Are you serious? And it's because we don't realize the potential and the power of the living Word of God. Let's get excited about God's Word. He'll flick the switch for us so that we can. The angel of the Lord turned the light on for Gideon and God's Word became real and Gideon no longer lived in darkness anymore. That's what truth does. It enables you not to live in darkness 
anymore. Dark beliefs that give you no confidence. Dark beliefs that cause you to fear. Dark beliefs that, that say, well, it always happens to me. It, happens to my, it happened to my mother. It happened to my father. And it happened to all of the lineage before them. Dark beliefs that the enemy uh, sows and wants to keep you oppressed by. Dark beliefs that say that your past is just going to be a rerun of your future. No, it's not. When truth comes, when the light, when, when, when the switch gets flicked and the light comes on, truth enables you to never go back to those ugly, negative, dark beliefs that try to suppress you and hold you down. No, God gives us truth as a belt. He gives it as a belt so that we wear it 24-7 so that our reference of life not, comes not from the old ugly facts that once characterizes us. No, our reference for life comes from the truth that's a part of our life that enriches us. That enables us and empowers us and calls us on to be everything that God wants us to be. Gideon was set free. The angel flicked the switch. Light came on and he no longer lived in darkness. That's what truth does. Judges chapter 6 verse 12 and just go ahead when you get home and read the whole thing because it's fantastic. Judges chapter 6 verse 12 records the moment when the angel flicked the switch. The light came on. And God's plan came into being for this man to become everything that he'd never imagined he could be. Verse 12 says this of Judges 6, The angel of the Lord appeared to him, said to him, The Lord is with you. He's with you. Mighty man. Of valor. You read some of Gideon's responses to that initially, very factual, very actual, referring to the past, but, but it, it, it couldn't be like that because my, my family, where I've grown up from, and the part of town that I come from, well, my family is, is the least in the nation. Look, we all know in our house, that we're the lowest of the low. We all know in our house that we're never going to amount to much. I'm, I, I'm the least. I, I, my family's the least. And then he went on to say this. I thought, this is great. And I'm the least in my family. God's got a fantastic recruitment policy. We look for the best. He looks for the least. Funny that. I'm the least. He comes out, recoils with all of these countering arguments. But the moment, the moment he goes ahead and believes what God, through the angel, is saying to him, truth comes, light is given, and he becomes a different man. Not only is he set free, his whole nation Hallelujah. is set free. And that's the amazing thing about the truth. Once it sets you free, others can be set free through you. It's beautiful. Once you get set free from fear, guess what? The next time you meet somebody that's full of fear, you're going to help them. You're going to strengthen them. You're going to set them free with the freedom that set you free. Then another great moment in the Old Testament was well, this is, this is even better than, than Judges 6. It's even better. Another great moment in the Old Testament was when God met up with Moses in Exodus 3. I mean, this is fantastic. It really is. Moses, much like Gideon, was completely beat up and at a dead-end place in life. Moses possibly was in a worse condition than Gideon because he'd been living in the wilderness on the run for 40 years, not 40 days or 40 minutes. And then God, ping, turns up. Now this guy is in a dead-end place for 40 years in the wilderness. 
And God turns up to meet with this man because he wants to have a conversation with him about setting two million of his people free in, in Egypt who had been in bondage for 400 years in slavery. Moses was the man that God had chosen to give the job to. Again, God's unusual recruitment policy comes into play because he chooses a man whose life is, or, or, or not is falling apart, he chooses a man whose life has fallen apart to deliver a nation who were in bondage to the most powerful empire in the world at that time. And on hearing God's great idea, I mean, God comes, to the, God, God comes to the interview room really excited, really expectant, on side. You're going to do this, Moses. You're the man. You're the one that I'm going to send, Moses. And God's on side. God's ready to do it. He comes to the interview room full of expectation, ready to send Moses into Egypt to deliver his people, but as soon as Moses hears God's wonderful idea and wonderful plan in the interview room, Moses' heart isn't so excited. You know, when you go for an interview, you want the employer to believe that you're the best candidate for the job. And your CV has this incredible description about you. You go into detail and you tell the interviewer why you're the best person that's most qualified for the job. Well, Moses didn't do that in this interview. He didn't bring his CV out and say to God, Listen, I am the man. I'm ready to take him on. You can rely on me. I'll step in and do this for you. No, there was none of that in this interview. In fact, Moses tried to reject God's offer by saying, Who am I? Painfully, honestly, from his heart, he cries. You've got this incredible plan, but my life doesn't match your purpose. My life doesn't match the great plan that you've got to set your people free. Who am I? Who are you looking at? What's going on in your head, God? Because what you're saying about my life, I don't see. Who am I? I've read it lots of times, Exodus 3. Oh, man. Tell you what. It's one of my favorite parts of the story. It's one of my favorite parts of the Bible. I just love it. It's so serious. It's, it's so intense. It's so humorous. It literally is. I mean, you stand there reading it. I've cried and I've laughed out loud many times when I've read it. It's awesome. Who am I, he says. But the beautiful thing about it, and I remember seeing this for the first time, and I tell you now, it hits you. It hits you in every way possible. The beautiful thing about the conversation that God has with Moses in Exodus 3 is that God never answers Moses as to who Moses is. God doesn't go into a detailed conversation with Moses about who he is. If God had done that, it would have been a really ugly picture. It really would have. If God had gone into a conversation with Moses as, as to who Moses was, wouldn't have helped Moses, would it? Would have crushed him. If God just, you know, stands alongside you and agrees with all of the, 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 the facts as to why you can't do what he's calling you to do, 
Well, you're just going to, I mean, you're never going to get up off the floor. But God's, I tell you, God's on side. God loves you. God knows you can do it. God's called you to do it. God's called you to be that person that you, you, you don't think that you, can ever, that, that you can ever be. No, you can be it. You will be it. His truth and His power will bring you into a new level of life where you can be the person that you never, ever imagined you can be. And it won't be because of your own strength. It'll be because of the truth. The truth washed. You're washing your mind. Washing all of those thoughts away. Washing all of those past references uh, 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 that you've got collected up in your imagination about your life. Just washing you free of them all. No, God didn't go into a conversation with Moses as to who he was. God turned Moses' thoughts away from who he was, from all of the negative facts surrounding his life, by turning his focus and attention onto who God was. Really simple. God said in response to Moses' question, who am I? God just simply turned around and said, I am that I am. What a strange answer to a question from a broken man. I am that I am. Let's stop thinking about you, Moses. Let's start thinking about me instead. Let's stop thinking about all of the old facts that you've collected in your life for the last 80 years, Moses. Why don't we start thinking about me? I am that I am. God was just simply saying to Moses, hey, Moses, listen, this is the way it's going to be from now on. I'll be everything that you need me to be. Let's stop the conversation right now about you. And let's begin a new conversation about me. God isn't egocentric that he needs us to talk about him all the time. No, the reason why God wants us to think about him is because of the benefits it brings to us. It's as simple as that. God doesn't need our attention. We need to focus our attention on God so that we get transformed and brought into a new level of life in him. That's what was happening in Ex Exodus chapter 3. Stop thinking about yourself, boy. It'll do you no good. Start thinking about me, not because I need you to think about me, but you need to think about me to get a new reference for your life. I'll be more than enough. That's what I am that I am means. I will be more than enough for any and every situation in your life. And he was. And he was. I'd love to blink and go through how he was. <laughs> we haven't got time. My God is wonderful. So God gets Moses' attention off himself and he places it on the I am nature of his being. What's he doing? He's putting a belt of truth upon his life so that he can, he can really zone in on and focus on. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 32, And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Let's go through every area of our life. Take truth in there. Take truth in there. Take it into the secret places that you don't want anybody else to know about. You see, the power of sin is in its secrecy. The devil will always hold you captive to, to the secret sins that you hide away. You don't want anybody to know about. He'll have power there. Well, listen, easiest way to deal with that is just switch the light on in the secret places. Take the truth in there. You'll get, you'll get free in there. Be able to walk with dignity and you'll be able to help others who are hiding away, cowering down. 
you'll be able to set them free with the truth that you've received. Truth not only disarms the devil from his lies, not only disarms his deceit as it tries to bind us, it also sets us free from things that hinder us within. And Paul sees this as an essential part for us to take up, for us to take up and put on every single day of our lives. On from the belt of truth, Paul tells us to wear righteousness. We're going to go a little faster now to get through all of this. Paul tells us to wear righteousness as a breastplate. And this breastplate of righteousness that we're called to wear is, again, a declaration to every demonic power that we have right standing with God. Your righteousness is not based on anything that you have done for God. It's completely based on everything that God has done for you in Christ Jesus. You're not working like some crazy madman or madwoman to please God. No, God is pleased. He will eternally be pleased with your life because of what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross in his death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he intercedes for you and I. God is pleased. Not because of what you do or what you don't do. He is pleased because you are in Christ. I'm pleased with what Christ has done for you. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. Paul tells us, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. It's unimaginable. We can't even, we can't even, I tell you now, understand the depths of suffering and the pain and the horror of God's wrath that was on Christ on the cross. And even when he went into hell, he was punished for us so that we might be set free. We can't even imagine it. But the the, 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 the sacrifice that he gave in order to rescue us from the power of sin, in order for us to stand justified and righteous just as if we had never sinned. The price of that sacrifice, we can't even imagine. But it's made us righteous. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Our righteousness that has been purchased for us by Christ Jesus is our shield. It's a shield. No accusation from Satan will ever stand before God. Even when we, even when we succumb to temptation, even when we are defeated, even when we feel flat and we just feel guilty, listen, let the guilt go now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let it go. Let it go in Jesus' name. You're free. God says this, and this was Old Testament. As far as the east is from the west, I will remember your sins no more. How about that one for your guilt? David said, Lord, if you mark my transgressions, I'd never be able to stand in front of you. But there is forgiveness with you. If God marked any one of our transgressions, we wouldn't even raise our head. But I'm telling you now, so complete is the work of God in Christ Jesus on the cross that not only does he never mark our transgressions, he enables us to stand in his very presence. Paul in Ephesians says you are accepted in the beloved and we can go, listen, we can go boldly. Not like this, it's me again, Daddy. i done something wrong. No, boldly. Boldly confident. Why? Because truth, righteousness, boldly before the throne of grace. Hallelujah! Heavenly Father, it's me again. I am so glad to be in your presence. It's wonderful. I'm having a fantastic day. Oh, thank you, Lord. You've blessed me with a wonderful family. 
oh, I, you, you're so good. You've, you, you've given me life. And I just want to thank you for your goodness. I just love coming into your presence. I just love looking into your eyes, Father. Thank you so much. I feel so confident and at home to be in your holy presence. Thank you. Why can you, why can you walk like that? Because of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. He's made you righteous. You wear it as a breastplate. Paul brings this out in what he says in Romans 8, 31 through to verse 34. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for his all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? Who? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who? Is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. You're accepted. You'll always be accepted. You will never be rejected. Jude actually says this. I think it's Jude. He says that we stand faultless. Faultless. We stand faultless before the throne of grace. I think it's Jude. It's one of them anyway, but it's in there. We stand faultless. With truth and righteousness in place, next Paul, in verse 15, moves on by directing us to shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And Paul here now is calling us to be ready, to be ready, ready to go, ready to run, wherever God would have us go. Be ready to move. That's the picture now. Ready at all times to reach out to others, to tell others about the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. You see, Paul here in Ephesians 6 doesn't just want us to get caught up in our own personal battles. This is important. He doesn't just want us to get caught up. Oh, I'm having a hard time. I, I, I can't leave the, the, the front line. I'm, I'm holding the fort. It's all about me. No, Paul doesn't want us to just get caught up in our own personal battles. He wants us to be ready to move. Always ready to go to another person, not just occupied by our own need and our own crisis in life. He wants us to move out towards others who are battling also and to reach them. With the gospel of peace. Nothing about retreating here. Nothing about being defeated here. Nothing about backing up and running away here. No, he said, get your shoes on, get ready, and go with the gospel of peace. There are people out there in your world that need you. And they need the gospel of peace as a hope, like you have it. We live in a world that's fraught with trouble, that's fraught with dysfunction and turmoil and confusion. Each and every one of us are called with the gospel of peace into situations within our world that are far from peaceful. But we have the gospel of peace, the power of God's peace in our lives to take peace and to bring peace wherever we go. And that very gospel of peace, that very message that we carry, will bring peace to anyone that will receive it. What a joy it is, I tell you now. When you, when, when you talk to somebody about Jesus, you give them the good news, and you take to them the gospel of peace. What a joy it is to see that good news of peace received, and suddenly the immediate effects that it has on the mind, on the soul, on the spirit of a person. Shod your feet with the gospel of the preparation of peace, child of God. Shod your, it's exciting to go into the world and tell people about Jesus Christ. It really is. You never know what might happen. You get in all kinds of unusual circumstances and situations in life to see his peace at work. It's wonderful. 
There's no better person to look at than Jesus. The Prince of Peace in this respect never shied away. It's too much. They're all asking for food now. There's over 5,000 of them. No. He never shied away. Anybody got a bit of bread? I Listen, I'm making it sound easy. <laughs> My God. Anybody got a bit of bread around here? A bit of fish? What is this kid here? gospel of peace will work in any crisis. The gospel of peace will work in any situation. 5,000 fed and more and 12 baskets left over. It's just amazing what happens when your feet are shod with the gospel of the preparation of peace. Anything can happen. It really can. And we could spend all day in that one. Jesus dispensed peace wherever he went. And we do too. Because he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever more. You know, you might have listened to these messages that I've spoke. And we're going to end with this one today. We're going to end in this short series, Overcoming Life Giants. But um, at this moment in time, you may not have any life giant that's looming large over your life. You, you might be at a good, strong place, and that's wonderful. That's wonderful. That's, that's, enjoy it. Enjoy it. You, you might not have any, any great crisis or any, any challenging circumstances that you're facing, and you've listened to this message, and you may have wondered how it's relevant to you. Well, I'll tell you how it's relevant to you. I'll tell you now. There are people in your world that do have giants. There are people in your world, maybe in your family, or in this church that you know of, out there in the world that you're going to meet, they have got giants. The world is filled with turmoil and trouble and dysfunction. Do you know what? We're not called to be observers. We are called to go into the world and to preach this gospel of peace to anyone that would listen. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter who you meet. And, and look, I'm not talking about being, being foolish. Be wise. Be wise. God will give you wisdom. But if the opportunity comes, use it. Take it up and dispense the blessing of God. Jesus in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Now, this is Jesus. This isn't me speaking. This is Jesus. And his words, you might not be at this place at the moment for various reasons, but take them up. Say, help me, Lord. He will. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. There it is. Just go out your feet shod with the gospel of the preparation of peace and dispense that peace in the life of others. Next, in verse 16, Paul exhorts us to take the shield of faith. Verse 16, he says this, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. The shield of faith, take it up. History tells us that the Roman army were the greatest fighting force of their time. They conquered much of their world. Rarely did they lose any battle. Why? Because they saw the shield of faith as a vital aspect of their advance forward on the battlefield. Or the shield. They saw the shield, the power of the shield in hand as a vital part in advancing forward on the field of battle. Retreat. Retreat was inconceivable to any Roman soldier. They were just called to move forward. They never broke rank. They stayed together, shoulder to shoulder. And on occasions, when those fiery arrows came over 
towards them to, to stop their advance forward, they would all hold up their shields together and lock them one to another as an as a impregnable barrier to face those arrows, those fiery darts that came over. And then proceeding behind them, their, 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 their brothers behind them would, would come and all lock their shields together as an impregnable roof of steel covering them as they marched forward against their enemy. Paul, understanding this, Paul, chained to a Roman soldier for two years, must have heard of all of those stories of battle from the soldier that was by his side. He takes up this thought and he says, take the shield of faith. It'll quench all. I love that word all. Or every fiery dart. It's not deficient in any way. It will deal with any form of deception. It will deal with any ploy of the enemy and it will quench it. It will render it powerless in your life. And we can lock shields together with one another too. As God's family, as believers, we hold that shield of faith. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're just going to ready ourselves to sing and finish this service. Paul finally calls us to take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. And I don't have to go into this, the helmet of salvation. The message from that is obvious. It's complete protection for our mind. It's complete protection from any device that the enemy would use to confuse us or bring us down in our mind. And then with the sword of the Spirit in hand, we use God's Word in all of the differing occasions in life. Verse 17, he says, And take the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You and I, we come from all different backgrounds, all different life experiences. But irrespective of all of our differences, we all have access to the same armor. It's the whole armor. It's the whole armor. God knows that you have to go out onto the battlefield and face life giants of all sizes. He knows that. He doesn't hide that. But he shows us clearly in his word times of hardship and testing and all manner of things can happen. But in the face of it all, he never dresses us shoddily. He never dresses us in hand-me-downs that nobody wants. No, this is his very own armor. The whole armor of God. Of God. It has God infused through it all. For you. For you to be victorious for you to stand confidently against any assault in your mind, against any assault in your body, against any assault in your family, you are dressed with the whole armor of God. So put it on. Take it out. Wear it. And understand that it communicates a message to every and any adversary and demonic foe in the spiritual realm that you are called to wage war in. It communicates a message that God is with you. God is for you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens you. You can do all things through him. And through the strength that he provides. Finally, in verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 6. 
Paul says this, and it's, it's, it's wonderful, because it's like a locking shield moment. He wraps it up, verse 18, by saying, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. It's a locking shield moment where we pray for one another, where we stand with one another, where the needs of others become our needs and we go to God in prayer for them. We pray for all the saints, he says. And listen, don't ever believe, don't ever believe that your prayers have no effect before God. I tell you, that's a, that is a lie from the pit of hell because the, because the devil fears you. The moment that you open your mouth and you engage, you go into the invisible spiritual world and you know that you have open access with God to walk in his presence and to say, Father, it's me again. I've come to express some prayers and I know that you're going to answer. The enemy fears that. He'll fight you over prayer. He will fight you over your confidence that you have to walk into the presence of God and smile and say, Father, we're going to do business. We're going to change some things that are causing trouble within the world. And I believe, don't ever believe the enemy that would say that your prayer is ineffective. Somebody else's, oh yeah, somebody else's is more effective than mine. No, 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 no. You have great weight with God. Your life has been bought and purchased with the blood of Jesus and you have a right to stand in the presence of God. And he says, and God will say, it's you again. Come on. I want to listen because I'm ready to act. I'm ready to answer. I'm ready to affect change with you. James the apostle said this, to counter any wicked, deceptive lie from the enemy regarding prayer. He said this, the prayers of righteous men and women avail much before God. Your prayer, your, your request before God has great effect. Don't ever believe any wicked, deceitful lie from the devil that would tell you different. He is a liar, he is a deceiver, and you go ahead, child of God, and you pray, and you ask, and whatever you ask in my name, Jesus said, that will I do that the Father may be glorified. Ask anything, ask anything, child of God, because of your Father who is in heaven. So right now, I'm going to sing in a minute, and uh, I just want us to take a moment now Maybe to reach to the person next to you, if it's your husband or wife, reach to, you, reach to your wife. Or, or maybe you can cross the room if, if, if there's a friend sitting on the other side of the room and just go and pray with them. We're called to lock shields together. You might see somebody next, next to them. Just, just hold a hand or lay a hand on the person next to you, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to join together, and then Wayne and the team are going to come and lead us, and we're going to go from this place rejoicing. Have you received God's word this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I tell you, the Lord told me about four years ago, this is what he said to me one day. He said, this church is going to be mighty in prayer. I'm telling you now, he didn't talk about one person standing on a stage that's going to be mighty in prayer. He talked about the whole family of God. I'm telling you, you're going to pray with such authority. You're going to pray with such effect. You're going to bring heaven down. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A faith is going to rise in you, child of God, that is going to be so strong. You, you, you're not going to believe what you're going to see. You're going to be hidden away in your bedroom, and the very things that you're going to be praying, in secret with your father are going to be coming openly before your very eyes and your mouth are going to be like this. I'm telling you now, the live, those who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. That's what Daniel said. And we are going to know God and we are going to do great exploits from God. And we are going to, we are going to rise into a level of prayer together as a group of people. It's going to be awesome. I tell you, all to come great days ahead. Amen. Are we ready? Father, yeah, run around the room, that's all right. Father, as we just join,
This morning together as your people, we stretch a hand and we hold a hand. We join together with our brothers and sisters here in this moment and those who are watching online that can't be here this morning. Lord, we join together in prayer. We lock shields against any lie of the devil, against any device, against any deceptive word that he has sown into the hearts of your people. And Lord, collectively together, we pray that you would empower us right now to take up the whole armor of God, Lord, that we would see it and understand it and know it in our lives, that the truth would be like a belt around us that we are conscious of in our lives and in our daily walk, that the breastplate of righteousness would deflect any accusation or any demonic lie that would try to come against us. Lord, we pray that our feet would be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, that we would find ourselves going to, into situations that are dark and confusing and dysfunctional. And Lord, the moment that we step into those places with the gospel of peace, we would bring order, we would bring change, we would bring healing, we would bring deliverance, that this city of Newport would know that a people are here, that are walking in their, in their homes and, and living in their streets, that have the power of peace to bring order, that have the power of the gospel of peace to bring change. And Lord, also we ask you for that shield of faith, that we would take it up in hand. Hallelujah. And even as the hundreds and the thousands of fiery darts try to come against us in this spiritual realm. And as, as it comes and as, as the enemy causes that onslaught of fire, we would just confidently smile, confidently hold up the shield of faith and render every, every fiery dart of the enemy powerless and quench it. That we would know the presence of salvation on our head. We would know it, Lord. Oh, the blessing of salvation, Lord, enriching our mind, enriching every thought, that we would know the renewing of our mind and the transformation of our lives. And Lord, that sword of the Spirit, my God, thank you. We hold it in hand. It is ours to wield and to use in every circumstance that would be contrary to your word. We use it. We thank you for it. We thank you for the whole armor of God as your people. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, why don't we stand up, stand up and give him praise for the armor that he has clothed us with. Come on, we're going to sing before we go.